My guest today is Jam Supernova, one of Britain's most sought-after DJs in Clubland, radio host of BBC One Extra DIY Handbook Show, label owner, A&R manager, and curator of New Sounds Club Night Future Bounce. With frequent tours across Europe, uh, with clubs and festivals, she has made her way to Australia, the Middle East, and Asia. She has shared the stage with the likes of Lion Babe, Little Sims, Sasha Keeble, Toddler T, DJ Semtex, Carla, Rome Fortune, and many more who invite her personally to open up for their shows. Her DJ sets and the sounds that she champions are from forms of new forms of clubland, uh, bass, future R&B, global house and garage, BBC One Extra, Europe's largest youth platform on the airwaves where James has built her foundation, where she's established her voice as a broadcaster and a, as a DJ, and where you'll find her weekly delivering her message with documentaries and radio shows, a philanthropist, spiritual activist for youth and people of color in electronic music. Our, our discussion today on this episode is about daily habits and rituals, the importance of cultivating youth expression and culture, self-belief and self-certainty, and it's time for another DIY generation. Jam Supernova, welcome. So great to have you. What up? <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice intro. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Pleasure to connect with you. Yes. And once again, it's great to see you again since we met uh, last year in Sydney at uh, yeah. uh, the EMC, the Electronic Music Conference. Um, now, you, you've um, really pushed yourself at a young age. You pushed your comfort zones. You ignored others' opinions. You took matters into your own hands at uh, at such an early age and as part of your career. Where did that come from? Is that uh, where like where did that drive? Where did you inherit that? Um, I think I have. Well, I guess like from a childhood, I think I had. Well, my parents used to be actors when I was younger. Um, they met in drama school, and my mom she got pregnant uh, at eighteen, but my dad carried on um, acting. But, he, they, but she always stayed creative and I think that they, their kind of hustle and kind of providing for us kind of gave me a drive. But also I think uh, the foundation that they gave to us, it was kind of like there is no such thing as can't. And that well, my mom would never let you, you, you weren't allowed to say can't, I can't do this or I can't do that. You just weren't allowed to say it yeah. in the house. Um, <laughs> and we were always kind of pushed uh, academically, but more so like finding your own things that you're good at as well. Um, so I played football from a young age with my brother, uh, from like, you know, six to 16. Um, and I always wanted to be better than him, even though he was, he was, he was, he was naturally better than me, but he was two years older and stronger, but I always wanted to be better than him. And I think that that competition sort of drove me initially. Um, and I think I've got quite a, quite a competitive nature, even in, even in school, you know, like in primary school, I wanted to be the smartest you know and even even if I and even if, you know because I, I don't think that I think what I what I've learned and learned early on is that you might not be the smartest but you can find ways to to get there you might not naturally be the smartest or that person might have an advantage over you or you know that 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 thing didn't go so well but there are always kind of ways to to to, to get better and get there so I think just from an early age really um yeah. that was that's nature that I had. And, and I mean, uh, your folks, uh, your, your heritage, uh, Cuban, Jamaican, 
Um, and it was that, um, as that mum and dad and like the, that cultural background would add that had a place as well in the home and, and like, you know, all this, you know, uh, festivities and all that sort of stuff. Like, did that have a big impact as well in, in your music career? And uh, I think musically, definitely, because we were exposed to so much different music uh, from obviously from from reggae, but all the way through to to rock music, to jazz music. And my mom's mixed with uh, Irish, um, but both of my parents were born in in Britain, and they were the first first generation of their parents to be born. Well, first generation of the family, sorry, to be born in, in Britain. Um, and so they had a very British upbringing as well. So I kind of feel like it, it kind of, it's, it, what, my upbringing was very much like a blend of cultures. Yep. Yeah. And but I guess yeah, that, so. and I guess that, that would have had, um, and like that kind of, um, combination of, of being, in, uh, with all different sort of cultures is, is exposed you to culture that, that, you know, the, and, and. Uh, th that importance of embracing cultures and all that, you know? Yeah, that, definitely. Because yeah. I think that even though you you might be born in Britain and, you know, you speak with a British accent, you know, there's definitely that kind of remembering of where you're from and uh, res being respectful of, of, of the other influences that you have as well, but then also being proud to be sort of where you are. And I kind of think that, like, um, it just felt, like, very normal to to have such a blended family, I think, and to have quite a, blend, a blended outlook and to be quite outspoken with things. Like, I think, like, even, even like, dinner table, you know, especially from, from, more so from my mom's side, you know, dinner tables are for debates and things like that. And it's, it seems like, uh, like, because of, you know, the, the work that you, you, you're doing, um, it just seems like an extension from, from some you know, other kind of influences from a young age, like your, your projects, you know, they're very focused around youth culture, expression. Um, and of course, uh, the, uh, people of color in electronic music, pushing boundaries, uh, you know, the whole DIY, uh, this is, this is important to you. And I love this, why, you know, that's, you, that, I know that that's, a, that's what motivates you. Then that's your, the big why. And, you know, it comes through your values and your mission. You can see that. And, um, and of course, uh, daily structure. Um, you really lead by example, I, it, and I admire that. And uh, I'm a big believer of personal development myself, and that's part of this whole, this whole podcast is really just exploring about what people do musically, but speaking to people in music and, um, and, and learning about these kind of rituals and habits. And, um, so spiritual practice, is that something you, you also practice as well? And, and I mean, what does a, what does a morning routine look like for you now? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of uh, shifted over the years, but kind of, I guess spiritually, I definitely kind of, I've, I've never been religious, um, and not grown up to be religious, but my dad actually became a Jehovah witness when I was five, when my parents are separated. Um, so there was that on that side, but it was never something that I resonated with. And quite early on, I kind of said to him, it's not really for me. Um, but in terms of like spirituality, I think I might have read The Secret when I was like 19. Right. Um, and then that kind of really kind of shifted my way of thinking. A friend actually had read it and had told me about it. And then I read that, yeah, read that at 19 and kind of 
really started to put that into, I guess, you know, not so much the, um, the materialistic side of things, but yeah. wanting material things, but the kind of uh, the sort of mindset to get what you want. Um, I definitely put that into, into practice. And for me, I think the biggest thing like uh, that I sort of really unlocked like in my early twenties was like gratitude and being thankful. So I'd always write like, or, you know, even if I didn't write it physically, I'd always be thinking about like what I'm grateful for, or even yes. down to like little things could be as simple as like just being, just being awake today or the, having a flat that I can live in or things like that. So I think that's definitely been uh, a, a good way for me to kind of manage my mindset and going back to those basics of just kind of gratitude and, 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 you know, really trying to understand like the mental blocks that we have and trying to like undo that. I've got like a whole bookshelf of self-help books, you know, I kind of flip between one book, one, 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 well, not one month, but you know, in an ideal world, one month reading fiction, one month reading like a self-help book. Right. Um, but in terms of like morning rituals. So yeah, they definitely like sort of, I guess, shifted when I lived on my own. Um, and I was like really like striving to get on the BBC and uh, have a show. I would kind of, I would wake up, I would like meditate. <laughs> I would look at my mood board um, and I'd like set my lists out for the day. Yeah. Um, obviously when you have a partner that lives with you, then, you know, your, your, your routine kind of shifts slightly and you're more accommodating of, of who you're around. Um, but right now I'd probably say that my morning routine um, I definitely, my, my biggest challenge the last couple of years has actually been getting up because before I would get up, I was very much sort of like working to, to my own drum. So I'd only wake up when I had to like leave the house type thing. So I'd always be like, right, I, I need, I've got a meeting at 11. That means if I wake up at nine, then I can leave by 10. And that is, if I had a meeting at one, then I wake up at 11, leave by 12, you know? Um, and then I kind of realized like, I'm not really in control of my day. I'm just playing catch up all the time. Um, so now I try and get up, um, I try and be up by eight at least, like that. I need to be up by eight. Yeah. Um, um, a, bit more, a bit more discipline now. Yeah, a bit more discipline yeah. regardless yeah. Of, of what's going on, even on a weekend. I might, I might not get out of bed, but being up yeah. is the main thing. Um, and then I guess every day is different depending on, on, on what I have on that day because kind of all my days are allocated to different parts of the work that I do. Um, but the first thing I'll do is like, yeah, have a, have a drink and then take my dog for a walk. Then so he comes, he gets the walk quite earlier on. Um, and then kind of, then come in and sitting down to do work or recently I've been kind of actually trying to get a workout in earlier. Yep. I noticed you, you're, you're, you're posting a lot of your workouts on uh, Instagram. Yeah, I, I saw, yeah. I saw one, I saw one with your mum recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, for me. Actually, I kind of think like my optimum is to get the workout done earlier because then I can comfortably sit or, or sets a work. nice tone, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then I can just sit and work for like eight hours or you know, or, or really sort of dedicate my mind then to the task ahead. Um, but yeah, definitely, it definitely differs. It's kind of hard to remember now, like pre lockdown, how, how it would work, but yeah, every day is different. So I kind of, I guess, I'll talk you through the days of my week. Maybe that would be a bit more helpful. So like pre-lockdown, Monday, um, up at eight and I work till 11. And then I have a personal training session uh, at midday. And then I go to uh, Selector Radio, which is the global radio show that I do for the British Council. 
and I record that show. And then on a Tuesday, again, up by eight, then I might kind of like work from home for a while. Um, and then I go to the BBC and I do my one extra show there. Um, and then on Wednesday, um, I need to go to RCA, which is a part, a label part of Sony. So I, um, I consult with them on a Wednesday. I've been doing that for about three, three years, something like that. Um, and then Thursdays and Fridays are kind of the days that I start running out of steam a little bit because I've had such regimented, like, you know, three days of quite running around, finishing things, uh, getting things ready for the show. So then normally Thursdays and Fridays, I am a bit slower, but it's more dedicated to the DJ and stuff or my label. So if I have a gig coming up that weekend, I'll be working stuff out for that. Or if I've got label stuff or admin stuff to do, sort of Thursdays and Fridays, uh, it's a slower pace, but that's kind of what those days are, are dedicated to. Yeah, well, and then, yeah. sorry, you were saying? No, and then, yeah, weekends, weekends gigging, you know, if, if I'm gigging or, yeah. you know, sometimes I try and get ahead of myself for the week by planning the shows. Yeah. So it, se- it seems it seems now you're, you've um, uh, developed more of um, a disciplined timetable to help facilitate uh, and, uh, and balance your work and your, and your personal kind of well-being so that you can have that uh, sustainability and and have that drive and keep 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 moving forward and keep focused on all these because you've got a lot of stuff going on and it's it's yeah. and it's um I think it's great and you mentioned um like uh, obviously the gratitude uh, the import I, f- I find that so important um, especially today where uh, we're just being bombarded with so much sort of fear and things and. We tend to start looking on the other, you know, looking at life for the uh, the half glass full, um, and you know. So I think, yeah, you mentioned quarterly reviews as well. Like that is that something also that you kind of like um, use to kind of like reflect on what's happened over the last say quarter and and make sure that you're keeping on target. And is that also very important? Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel for me, I mean, it's, it's something that you have to kind of remember to do is kind of like look, look at, looking back. But I'll kind of like, I'll always start the, before even when the year's about to start, I'll always kind of look back on the last year and kind of see what I've achieved and um, the things that I'm proud of and things like that before I even write this uh, for the year going ahead. And then I kind of try and do that quarterly. So like breaking down like what are my aims for the next quarter? Because I think if you try and do like a year to view, you can write it all out, but then it looks like yeah. a quite overwhelming, overwhelming list. And I think one thing I've definitely learned, um, you know, over the last couple of years is like not all plates can spin at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible for everything to be going at a hundred percent. So, you know, some parts of the year, like maybe because there's less gigs January to March or April, you know, that really is a time to really sort of knuckle down and focus on the label or focus on creating some of the, some of the ideas that I might not have time for uh, later down the line in summer, let's say, and maybe summer, we try and not put that many releases out because I know I'm going to be gigging and playing festivals and, you know, that's going to take up the lion's share of my time. Um, but I definitely think the reflection is re- really important. And I think breaking it down into quarters and being like, right, for the next four months, what are my main targets? What am I trying to achieve? Who do I want to meet with? Uh, what do I want to get out of the next four months? And then kind of at the end of the four months, looking back and then being like, did I do that? Am I going to carry it over? Yeah. Um, am I proud of this? Or oh, I did do it. I didn't even realize I did it. I forgot I wrote that down and um, things like that. And I recently started working, it's been about a year now with a life coach. 
Um, awesome. Because I, I think I started like 2019 thinking, do you know what? It's, a, it's the year to like outsource. So I got like a personal trainer and I got a life coach. And I think those two things have been really quite key in, in, ha- in setting habits, yeah. in sticking to habits and having accountability. So like with the personal trainer, you have accountability in getting your fitness in, staying on target, making sure you eat well and just having someone to, to kind of keep you going and, and to someone to monitor your, your progress because every month you might do a weigh-in or every month you might hit a new personal best. And I think I kind of work well with metrics in that way yeah. uh, and numbers. I'm quite a visual, a visual person. And then in terms of, um, oh, sorry, I had to turn my thing off. Um, and then in terms of, um, of the life coach, she really, really focuses kind of on, on, on reflection. Sometimes I just want to get in there and talk about like what I'm going to do next and what I want to happen. And she's like, first, let's talk about the week. How was your week last week? You know, yeah, yeah, how was yeah. that? Yeah. And I can feel myself actually sometimes getting a little bit frustrated. Cause I'm like, I just want to talk about what's and she's, she really forces me like to slow down. I can feel like it bubbling yeah, yeah. inside. Like, I don't know, it's, last week was last week. I just want to talk about what's happening next. And she'll so be help like, no, you, let's help, help you get a bit more present. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she really does. And talk about that. How, and then really forces you to like, how was that gig? What was that about that gig? How did that gig make you feel? How did that, da, 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 da. you know, what about that me? How, you know, talk me through what happened. And it kind of really helps you like pro- process things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that reflection is something that I, it's, it's so easy to be too busy to reflect, but I, I think it is really important because I think we underestimate like time moves so fast you do underestimate like okay you might not have like achieved that big goal but you've definitely taken some steps to get there or maybe that goal maybe on reflection you realize that you don't actually want that anymore yeah yeah and um yeah i guess i guess that approach of sort of working in more um bite size rather than like trying to do too much at, uh, at once and working more on a more smaller scale uh is, is a great approach. Um, tell me, uh, what, you know, self-belief and self-certainty, I mean, what are the sort of things that you do to kind of like um, stay stay in that mindset? Because actually we, we always have that little voice in our heads that try to like keep us uh, at bay or keep us at, in a comfort zone. How do you overcome that? Like, you know, how do you stay on top of that? Yeah, I think sometimes like there's definitely been points when that little voice has felt like really loud and just really critical, and really like overbearing in some ways. Like uh, definitely I could pinpoint like last year before before working with the life coach, actually. And that's kind of what 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 led me to do it, because I kind of had uh, kind of felt like I plateaued, plateaued a little bit in kind of where I was at, um, but also not knowing what I wanted next. And that's kind of when I started to hear that voice like rearing again, well, you're shit and well, you know, you've had your chance now and it's not going to, it's not going to get much better than this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Kind of really like overtly critical and, and it just started to like, and it would, it would sort of like manifest not just in like the career, but then just how I thought about myself as a person and then the, the way that I looked and it just actually got to a point that I was just tired. Like I just yeah. got bored. Of it. Like I just felt like I just got to a point. I was just like bored and I, I, and I, I, I think that that it's also because you can't be positive all the time. And I think that, you know, we get sent a lot of like positivity porn so much on Instagram and how 
even in even in some of the self-help books, you're not really allowed to be down or allowed to be sad yeah. about things. But actually, my aunt actually is really, um, really wise. She's like a kind of witchy, bruja vibe. Like she's really wise woman and she's always talks about like feelings as fleeting, but feelings like, like, like letting your feelings pass you by, but like looking at them and being like, Oh, why did, you know, maybe dig a little bit deeper. Why am I feeling sad and kind of delving into it rather than trying to resist it? Yes. Yes. Um, So I think that, yeah, last year, then I just kind of got to a point, like I was aware of where I was at. I was aware that it was quite a shitty place, like mentally to be. And then I had a choice. Am I going to, wallow in it and continue to because I've been wallowing or am I going to actively like try and try and try and seek help I guess in a sense yeah um that was kind of at that point but um I guess like the self-belief thing also I think that that always I can always go back to I think that um like getting the show on one extra if it, you know, I guess for, if if you was to, if you talk to like the average person that doesn't work in the music industry, they would say that you must have been very lucky to get that show. You know, mm-hmm. it comes down to luck, or it you know, it's one it's one in a thousand or one in a hundred thousand chances that you might be able to get an opportunity like that. Um, but it didn't come easily. It wasn't like I left college and then I got this show. It took five no. years. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Like, hustling and five years of people telling me no and people telling me that I'm not good enough and five years of even my mom saying maybe you might you might want to think about doing something else maybe you know has it happened by now you know or like even friends that worked in the building being like yeah I just don't really see it happening for you I'm really sorry but you know um and still being able to like pick yourself up every time you had that no and then eventually get something so I know from like 18 to from 18 to 24 that was my one goal and it took me yeah five to six years and I got it so now I kind of really don't believe that there's anything that's out of my reach yeah um and I kind of will always go back to that like I know it might take six years it might take 10 years it might take 60 years but I do know somewhere I will get it yeah yeah Uh, and I I you you mentioned before about the secret and um I, I find that 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 what a lot of people took from that um, and I guess it didn't really delve into it a lot, but the, they, the book was uh, kind of pushing that idea that God or the universe is some kind of vending machine, you know, and, and not because it's clearly, there's nothing absolutely, I understand the whole concept of manifestation, but you've got to yeah. put the work in and clearly, yeah, yeah. clearly you've done that. And, yeah. and, and I think you need to be ready for it as well. Yeah, and I do think it was to go back to like that spiritual wherever your belief. If you're not ready for it, you won't get it. Yeah, and sometimes you think we're ready for things. So realistically, if I'd have got my show at 21 when I had planned to have got it, yeah. I wasn't mentally ready. I wasn't anywhere near ready for something like that, or I didn't even know who I was. So when I did get it, it came at just the right time. It came at the, the most perfect right. time. Ever. Do you feel like? Do you feel like you had to? Um, go through the, those, like go through the resistance and the stories and the things first so that you could be completely aligned, uh, with, with what you're trying to create. Like that. So like you said, being ready for it, what did that mean? Like, what does that look like to be act? So you, to be ready, meaning that you'd had to be fully aligned with it. So, Mm, and so you had to overcome certain parts first 
to get to that place? Is that what, is that, would that be? Yeah, a, a, I yeah, I think, I think that's fair to say, like kind of, yeah, being aligned with it, but then also kind of really being in tune with, with, with yourself and what you're creating and what your output yes. is. Because even, you know, when I went, when I walked into that building, I decided, I just wanted to be a presenter. Yeah. I didn't know what kind of presenter. I didn't yeah. know. No, I knew I loved music, but everybody loves music, you know? <laughs> You know, every year they would say no. Then I realized, like, oh, actually, I don't think I want to be a daytime presenter. Actually, I think I'm specialist. Oh, but this is what I think my specialist specialism you is. To get every to that, yeah, yeah. Start to define and define and define yes, a little bit yes. more. So had I have walked in and got that show at 21, then I would be a daytime presenter and probably live in that kind of life. But would it really have served me when actually I, I started to get to know that's not really my personality and there's aspects of that that I'm not comfortable with or I can't be asked with. But for me, it's always about music. But what sort of music is it about delving back or is it about going forward? You know, so it really allowed me to know exactly like who, who I am and then to have, I guess, as well, like to build a strong brand. Yeah. You know? Well, I, yeah, it's, it's, it seems that like everything that you're you're doing now um, as a broadcaster and the projects is, is aligned with, with your mission and your values. And, and, and it sounds like that's what you were, that was what those six years were discovering, um, yeah. trying to find, find that, that purpose. And, you know, rather than just being a presenter or just being, but the why and defining the why and, and finding your purpose in music. And yeah. I mean, how where did where did the youth culture part like getting involved with youth um obviously um you you're still a young person yourself but where did where did where did that um is that is that also part of that six year journey like saying actually i want to be a voice for for the youth you know and 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 show that um you know it would be an expression for that is that part I of think that it's, yeah i think it's kind of almost coming from i guess like the sort of background that I've come from and the sort of schools that I've gone to and kind of really like I guess understanding like the system isn't fair you know and having having have have many different friends from kind of really like really different spectrums of 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 the way that they've grown up but then I am from like how old was I from 15 I started working with kids so I used to work in in a youth theater uh, like I was a, like an usher for children's plays and stuff like that. And then I used to teach football to kids. And then before I started working at the BBC, so between um, 18 and, and, and 20, I, um, I used to be a teaching assistant. So I was working in schools and I'd be like a supply teacher. So I kind of always kind of had that, I guess, I didn't want to be a teacher, but I had that care towards younger people and um, kind of really wanted to I guess invest in the in the next generation in a sense um and then I think by having a platform I think there's no point in having a platform if you can't put put people on and there's so many things that young people go through and it's you know and so many things that they have to overcome or you know the level the playing field is isn't isn't level so kind of when I started the DIY generation feature which was on, I did it for on one extra for three years. It was like a kind of podcast style interview where we speak to like young entrepreneurs and creatives. And I kind of started it because they had asked me, I was doing a daytime show to begin with. They had asked me to come up with like a lifestyle piece 
that they wanted because they just lost a presenter that was doing fashion. But I was like, I'm not really a fashion person. I kind of kind of went back to all the things that I kind of care about and want to advocate. And I used to spend a lot of time um, on Instagram, like in the early days, watching like all the young entrepreneurs start doing really exciting things. It became kind of became like a platform to showcase what was happening. But for me, really, what it was about was showcasing people of color and women um, as entrepreneurs and as business people, because all of the other platforms that were doing things like that, they were all showing um, just privileged people that happened to be white that were doing those things. Right. Um, Who's that? <laughs> a little puppy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I- <laughs> Hello. All right, <laughs> uh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I kind of think it's something that you know has always been been there in me, but then having a platform to share it is kind of what makes it what takes it to that next level. Yeah, and I mean, and you're definitely using uh, your um, your this platform that you've got to to really push your message and and push this now and. I think it's a great thing. I think um, you're, you're doing some great stuff there. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, building – so building your own community, serving serving people, uh, delivering really good content seems like a you know, very a, a common approach, uh, especially now. Uh, a lot of people are uh, sort of realizing that this is a time to do this as well. Would you say you're prepared now for – um, this next DIY chapter in history? Because, I mean, you were, I guess you're at, you were, I mean, you could say that the the, conce- the conception of uh, Jam Supernova was during the last recession, like almost 10 years yes. ago, right? So you, yeah. c- we, you could say now, like, you've gone through the trenches already and like, and you were part of that di- new, that generation, that DIY generation that emerged fr- from that period. Um, would, what would be your advice now for this next generation facing these challenges for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always quite inspired by the next generation, to be honest, because they, they seem so much fearless, uh, you know, and so much more outspoken. Because even though I might have had like a DIY aspect, I still was quite a people pleaser or a institute pleaser, you know. Um, and I think that they are kind of going against that. You know, they don't, you know, they don't, they, they understand how to work with brands, but also to get what they need out of it. You know, they understand how to work with corporations, but to make sure that it sort of benefits them. But I think um, I kind of feel like the, what you do start to notice now, what I'm what I noticing now, though, with the next generation that's coming through, and maybe it was the same when I was coming through, but I guess it's like the disparity of who's coming through because it's like, you know, okay, the doors are more open for people of colour, but then they're still less open for someone from a, a, a poorer background. And I feel like, you know, that, that, that those are the kind of challenges that it's not as simple as, well, just pull up your bootstraps and just work hard and just put yourself out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that doesn't really serve people that can't have the have the have the privilege to be able to think like that because they're so busy just trying to live day to day paycheck to paycheck um but i think if anything that this say what what's happening right now in the world right now is that the playing field is level in in so many different disciplines especially sort of in the creative world um for artists for dj's for il- illustrators photographers like the, the like 
everything so still that it's kind of what you do now in this moment and the sort of things that you create and the communities that you create just from your phone or just from your living room or just, you know, using the, the technology that's there is kind of what is going to serve you when we come out of this. Yeah. And I really feel like it doesn't matter if you've got 100,000 followers or, or 10,000 followers, even like um, looking at there's a rapper in the UK uh, called Swarms. And he, um, you know, you had um, Tory Lanes, the hip hop guy doing his uh, quarantine radio. Uh, so he would do it on IGTV yeah. um, and then he would get girls to come on and twerk. And it kind of, it, you know, his following, the way that his following really went up, he went from being like a kind of, I guess, like a B-list rapper to being someone that everyone's talking about. Um, whether that translates back to the sales in his music is a whole other story. But I think then there's a guy in the UK called Swarms and I'd only ever seen his name as a feature, but he started doing something similar and went from like 100,000 followers to 600,000 followers within the last four weeks. Damn. So, yeah, and you know, so if you're kind of looking at those metrics, it's kind of really interesting to see then what will happen when, when this is up. So I kind of feel like you, there's a captive audience out there right now whilst everyone's home yeah. that you can be talking to. And I've kind of really been thinking actually now, looking at the people that are doing well in this, these times or looking at some of the, in a more electronic sense or the more DJ sense, some of the people that are really, I guess, like, um, thriving in these times seem to be the older DJs. A um, couple spring to mind. There's a guy called Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yourself, James. Yourself, yeah, no, you, yeah. But Spoon, Spoonie, who does... Um, oh, who does I love Spoon. Spoon. Yeah. yeah, he does Spoonie's house. Um, I saw EZ, obviously, yep, who did his 24-hour yep. thing. Um, and then you've got... Um, there's a drum and bass DJ, Bailey. Uh, he did, you know, he's, he's, he's doing some incredible streams that people are watching. And why I think that those guys are excelling right now is because they clocked a way to talk. Camera. Oh, there you they, are. Yep. Yeah, they clocked a way before all this to directly speak to their audience. Yeah. So they've had those, they've had those ups and downs in their career when one minute they're the top person getting paid this much to do 1000 gigs. And then the next minute you're nobody. And then you have another rise and then you're nobody again, you know? So yeah. I think that those, those Giles Peterson is actually another one, not necessarily in this period, but in terms of being able to create a platform to talk directly to his audience. So these people have been like, right, okay, I've been on top, I've been below. And every time I'm on top is because I'm on someone else's platform. How about if I was to start my own platform to talk directly to my audience? So in, in the last couple of years, whilst the average person might not have known that they've been doing these weekly streams or doing these shows that directly go straight to the people that want to listen to it. So now in a time where everyone's looking for things to watch, your friend might be like, Oh yeah, I used to watch Spoonie's thing. Are we still doing it? So, yeah. you know, more and more people are watching it. And I think that's something that I've been thinking a lot about now. It's like, okay, let's say if I was, you know, if it, let's say I wasn't on one extra or let's say I wasn't being booked for any gigs. Yeah. How am I still going to get my content out and build an audience? That's kind of really what I should be, be thinking about now. Yeah. You know, hoping those things don't happen, but you know, that doesn't mean that you stop because you haven't got that platform anymore. Like, I really kind of want people that come on my page to be able to get your mixes or get your content here or get you, you know, get get that and be able to like have that direct relationship kind of yeah, yeah and, and to artist sort of thing. Yeah, I, 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 by no means do I compare myself to Spoonie on these guys, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I, this, I mean, even this, this podcast itself was on the cards 
just before, like I and so I was very lucky um, that I I pulled the trigger just before things went, and I had had already sort of like put together a forecast of what I wanted to to do, and so it it's quite fitting, and the timing has just been great because I'm able to um, reach out to a lot of people, and and yeah. and uh, I'm it's it's been it's been such a great experience um what else um you you mentioned um dog training um yeah just on <laughs> something fun and interesting tell me what tell me a bit about your dog training uh passion there yeah well i wouldn't say it's a passion more of a necessity um, yeah. so yeah i've never actually been a dog person um like i've never been the kind of person to touch anyone else's dog or or anything like that but i think last year me and my partner I think last year, me and my partner started talking, just talking about it, like, off the cuff, maybe we should get a dog type thing. But just, you know, he'd grown up with dogs, but just off the cuff. And I was kind of like, mm, yeah, maybe. You know, we're both, we're both in our career now where we have the luxury of, you know, flexibility, should I say. Um, and I, and then my mom, I kind of broached it to my mom, and she was like, yeah, I'd, I'd actually be really up for, like, sharing a dog with you type thing if you ever needed someone to look after it or have it for the weekend. So I was like, oh, okay, this seems like, why not? Then let's just do it. So we like, we basically went to Ghana, um, decided we were going to do it. And then within four weeks of getting back, we, we had a puppy. Um, it was really exciting. And then, yeah, so then it's been a kind of different, yeah, different addition to my life and my habits and, you know, teaching a puppy things and, you know, meeting people outside of my world that I would never have even probably come into contact with ever. Um, so, yeah, so we've been kind of doing a lot of training with him to try and get him to be disciplined. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's opened up another sort of uh, outlet for you, it seems, yeah? That's cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I think? He, I think it's been, um, I think it's just been a really nice uh, way to be present because dogs are just so in the moment. And, you know, I don't really want a child right now. And I don't want a child right now. Um, but it's a nice way to kind of I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, I was just going to say, is, it, is this yeah. like a segue, is it? <laughs> well, not, yeah, it's taught me some time. Me some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's, it's fun. It's nice learning some new tricks. And like like I said, I never had a dog before, so I have no idea about, about dogs or watching those YouTube stuff. Or, and, you know, everyone has their own personalities. You know, every dog has their own personalities and everyone has their own way that they want to raise their dog because we met this guy in the park the other day and he was like, oh, you've got a wild one there. He's a bit hyper, isn't he? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he is. And he was like, yeah, I'm a dog had in the last six years, fully qualified, you know. You've got to be in charge. Don't let the dog lead you and like watching him with his dog. But then we were kind of like, yeah, his dog's like really obedient and stuff, but we don't want a dog that's got no character. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of like finding that happy balance of having like a disciplined dog, but a dog with a little bit of like pizzazz, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, look, uh, tell, why don't you tell uh, the listeners where we can find you, like the, you know, the websites and, and links and uh, where, where tell the listeners where we can uh, hear you weekly and what, and, and and the projects that you've got going at the moment, uh, uh, tell us. Yeah, yeah. So um, radio-wise, you can catch me on One Extra. At the moment, it's every Tuesday from 7 p.m., but post-lockdown, we'll go back to being at 9 p.m. But to be honest, just catch up on the BBC Sounds app. You can listen like any time. Once the show's drop, they live on the app for four, four weeks, sorry, and you can just listen back whenever. It's sort of at your convenience. Yep. Um, 
DJ wise. Uh, so I do these monthly mixes called club jams Yep. and it kind of started off because I kind of, with my DJ career, we hadn't really touched on it in a sense, but with what I was doing on radio is, is such a different way to how I actually DJ. So when I DJ out, it's really different. Um, and that's just because I have different passions. We're not multi, we're multifaceted people and, you know, for the one I DJ out, I want to play club records. I want to play UK club music. I want to play electronic music. Uh, but on the radio, it's def- you know, it, we play a little bit of that, but it's definitely more, I guess, like soulful leaning. Um, and so sometimes it would be like, I guess my DJ career is taken slower to build than, say, my radio because the radio is kind of does, it does what it says on the tin, whereas the DJ in, I've kind of really had to build myself as a DJ away from radio. Right. So some people might just know me to see me on, on a lineup, but they probably don't listen to the show. It's kind of serving different audiences. Right. right. Um, so it's taking a bit of a slower route, but um, I still feel confident in the choice that I made and sort of separating the two out. And now the worlds do kind of combine a little bit, but with the mix series that I do, it's called Club Jams. It does what it says on the tin. It's what you would get, at, what you would hear me playing in the club. So we drop them once a month. Um, we're on our sixth month now, which is exciting. And it kind of just goes back to like that consistency. So we've built up quite a nice little following for it now. And where, where, can, really we, where can we hear that? Where can we hear Oh, the, you can check it out on Mixcloud or Soundcloud. Oh, Jam Super. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm intrigued to see, just keep on going and see what happens with it. Because I kind of got the idea from, you know, Hannah Once has been doing her mix series for like the last decade or something. And it kind of, you know, again, it's that way of talking directly to your audience um, and then the projects I've got on the go at the moment. So the label kind of is really uh, quite taking up most of my time at the moment. So um, we have quite a few exciting releases coming out this year. The label's called Future Bounce. Um, so I've just launched like a club release series with the label. Again, kind of trying to build the worlds together again of what I play on radio and then what I play in the club. So I'm going to be dropping a release a month from a producer that I play out. Um, and it'll be a double A side. We've got a release that's just come out today, actually. Um, and it's, yeah, club, just straight up club music, more awesome. geared towards Bandcamp. Uh, we're on Bandcamp, just Future Bounce. And then we've got some longer term projects that we're developing. There's a guy from New Jersey called Architect who makes that like, alternative R&B. Got some wow. features to support that. Um, I just signed a girl called Solar who's like really alternative, soulful, kind of twigs-like, FK twigs-like. Yeah, wow. That'll be later in the year as well. So, yeah. Loads of future balance releases coming out this year, which is so exciting. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jam Supernova, thank you so much, Jams. It's um no so thank great you. to have you here. And uh yeah, so uh please leave comments and feedback if uh if someone wants to reach out to you, they want to share some music with you. Is there any uh yeah. URLs or website uh, or an email yeah, address? Yes. So on my Twitter. Yep. Uh, there's actually a link on my Twitter where you can send music to me and you, it's basically works in a similar way to WeTransfer. You can just kind of upload the files there and then uh, send music over. But if you want to email it, it's just music for jamsupernova at gmail.com. Okay. Excellent. Alrighty. Cool. Well, that's it. That's uh, our electronic music man with today's special guest, Jam Supernova. Thank you again. Uh, head over to jameslocksmith.net to sign up for the newsletter. Find out uh, about more episodes that are coming up. And, um, and, and of course, if you want to chat with me about any consultation, you need some help in the electronic music industry, any details with some personal growth, I can, uh, offer a 15 to 30 minute, uh, free consultation. Just hit me up at, uh, info at jameslocksmith.net. 
Uh, send me your feedback. Love to hear from you. That's uh, Electronic Music Man signing off. Thank you. Bye. Perfect. Thank you so much, James. <laughs>